Hey, gals, guys, and otherwise, this is Jonathan O'Roseline. And this is Noah, also known as Polyphonic. And you're listening to Horns and Wings, the podcast where we talk about Saga one issue at a time. Except when we don't, when we're between arcs. Like now. So now we just shoot the shit, right? That's what's happening? Noah, we're doing issue 19. <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you not prepared for this? <laughs> I, I, I've, I've never read issue 19. <laughs> I skipped it. I went ground. straight to 20. <laughs> Oh, perfect. This will be a new experience for everyone. Let's dive in. Uh, just kidding. Uh, hey, this is another Between the Arcs. We're just, we're just, we're shooting the poop, man. We're just shooting the poop. Are we shitting? Maybe. <laughs> Are we shooting? I really like to start it off with the dumbest shit on these <laughs> ones, just to just to make sure everyone falls off immediately, and then there's no pressure for either of us because we're talking to no one. Yeah, not even each other usually. And now that everyone's gone, we can actually talk about some really interesting stuff that you've uh, you've pulled up. I am Brian K. Vaughn. <laughs> I could finally say it. Um, <laughs> well, here, so this is Brian this is K. Be a, John. Shut the. Fuck up, Noah. Get out. Brian K. John and Finoa Staples. I fucking hate everything. I'm done with the earth. I'm leaving it. Uh, So this is the format for this one. Clearly, we're on a very strict structure here. Uh, We're going to be talking about... First, we're going to be talking about uh, diving into just something we've referenced a million times throughout reading it but we kind of wanted to summarize it a bit and get into the specifics of it and that is the readability of the book itself so the ways it is designed to make you never want to put it down uh and fly through it like so fast and it's so addicting so we're going to get into how they managed to do that uh because we have all the answers and we know everything also we're going to get to that classic segment everyone loves back matters and who knows there might even be a 2013 saga reader survey we don't who who knows and then we're going to get to your answers to the questions of the week we got so many good ones so many good ones i'm so pumped about it i'm pumped about this this episode first off noah yep how why why is this comic so good i figure it's about time we ask (laughs) well I think it's because it's really readable, and and you read it really fast. Oh, really? Yeah. Funny you mention it, because I happen to have a list here that I shot together right before we recorded. No, this is this is actually something I, I, I've been working on a new long-form comics project with an artist, and I specifically said to them, I've been co-hosting this po- this podcast about Saga, and I'm noticing all this crazy shit that they're doing to make the book addicting and very readable. And the the biggest thing is very welcoming to new comics readers because I we've heard that a lot in from from commenters and stuff is like this was the first comic that people really got into and they weren't really reading comics and for a lot of people this is their first comic period set aside like maybe some peanuts comic strips or something uh and so uh, this is something that i've been analyzing in my brain to death and that i've been trying to make a a list of to to rip off as much of it as possible uh but just what they do to make this so damn readable no what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind 
I think I think the paneling is makes it super readable. They're mm-hmm. always uh, like f- kind of maximum of five panels a page, big panels and panels that just have a very th- the way the panels are laid out and the way this kind of the art kind of flows into this. It's very easy to not get lost on the page because yeah. I find some other comics even and and it's been well established how much I love Jeff Lemire and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of really kind of out there stuff with his paneling and it's cool, but you get yeah. lost sometimes and you're like, yeah. was I supposed to read this first or not? Um, and sometimes that can that can kind of serve a purpose, but I think it can be really intimidating to people who haven't read comics. Uh, because it's not like picking up a book. Like, there's kind of a, like, like, like you, you read your book, you read the first line, then the next line, then the next line, and it's not always clear which panel is supposed to be which. Yeah, yeah. The, the ones that are coming to mind for me are, ironically, a lot of the stuff that I uh, have historically recommended to new readers, which is, like, Sandman, I think, is, yeah, is, Sandman a is... lot of those sort of, like, uh, those montage sort of mosaic layouts where it's just like everything is bleeding into everything else and you have those big you never see those big like uh, horizontal skinny panels that yeah. are in a lot of stuff that's not in this uh, one I mean and there are ones that like I've been reading comics for years uh, a few years ago I picked up Alan Moore's Swamp Thing for the first time oh yeah and that is that is like reading a fucking tapestry like i don't even i I don't know where to start on half of those pages and it's gorgeous to just look at from a distance but when you're trying to actually read it it is a fucking job Uh, i i think it's really interesting to bring up alan moore in this though because i think another another great uh comic to get people into comics and another that has a very very strict panel layout is watchmen famously Mm -hmm. so right yeah the the nine panel grid yeah as much as humanly possible uh and i and i do i i do think that's really interesting that fiona staples yeah not only is it like a a generally hard cap to the uh how many panels there are for per page usually 90 percent of the time it's it's five or less Uh, but also just the the shape of the panels they they will get slightly diagonal when action happens things will occasionally go slightly outside of the panel but you never really get that i think there's a lot of those like bleed images a lot of artists uh like even in you know comics i've done and stuff where it's just like they'll have one panel that doesn't have any gutters and is sort of the background to every other panel yeah stuff like that uh those bleed images you and beyond the uh splash pages it's it's pretty rare to get a, a bleed image and bleed means literally it's going beyond where the page is cut off so it's going to the very edge of the page instead of having that white gutter around the uh the the panel itself uh and so yeah it just it's it's one of those things where it almost feels like an instruction book on how to read comics in the simplest way for new readers i think it's interesting though because i think that Whereas if you compare it to something like Watchmen, I could be wrong, but I don't think Watchmen ever goes into the gutters. Um, but That's but, possible. But Saga does sometimes, and it's really effective when they do. But because Fiona Staples isn't going into the gutters all of the time, you 
it, it doesn't complicate things and you feel it mm-hmm. when when a character is kind of stepping out of the gutter or a lot of the time uh th- this is actually on phonographics the lettering a lot of the time the sound effects will kind of go outside of the gutter and transition you from one panel to another yeah no and also you know it, to bring up watchmen this is this is probably my coolest contribution to this conversation uh there are three largely recognized sort of guidelines for how many words uh should be in a on a page on a comic book page and it is something that has been debated a lot in comics it's four right there should be four words four words per page um and and generally about 14 panels so you really have to pick those wisely um, but it really should if it, if it doesn't transition well into a flip book then you're doing something wrong with your comic. uh no so so there are there are there are three different uh sort of guidelines i've heard uh, a lot from from three different writers the first one is alan moore and he says that the max amount of words total on the page should be 210 words per page is what he says is the max uh the max dialogue you can have on a page uh meanwhile i'll go through all three and then i'll say that's actually my problem i i i thought that was 210 words per panel so i've been i've been doing it way wrong (laughs) (laughs) no but no it's that's been a book you're writing 14 panels per page 210 words per panel no you've been writing a prose book so it's it's actually very low And I don't, and it's very weird because you just have paragraphs next to paragraphs on pages. Uh, but really pushing the medium forward. Uh, but then the, the, the second sort of standard or guideline I've heard a lot of is from Ed Brubaker, writer of Criminal and Captain America Winter Soldier. Love Ed Brubaker. I haven't mentioned him enough on this show. He's one of my favorites. But he says, very interestingly, max amount of lines per balloon should be three so three uh line breaks that that makes that makes a lot of sense like that that one just kind of viscerally resonates with me as soon as you say it (laughs) yeah yeah well it'll be interesting once we apply it to saga and then finally warren ellis so we're getting some titans of comics here warren ellis says and this is actually the one that i personally agree with the most really because i've heard i've heard you i've heard you haven't agreed with warren ellis on something before (laughs) It's ironic because I've literally told Warren Ellis <laughs> that he can fuck up <laughs> that, that what he suggested is wrong and I'm right. And that's not even a joke. Go listen to older episodes. Uh, <laughs> but he says, turns out this guy's actually pretty smart and I'm the one that fucked up. Uh, he says max three balloons per panel is is his maximum balloons per panel so i actually went through this last volume that we read arc number three yeah and applied all of these uh so the first one which is super interesting i went through the most amount of words per page that i could find on any on throughout the whole arc is uh and i and i this is this was you know me just sort of skimming through it and see what looked like a lot but it is the the page of dialogue between special special agent gale and upshur and doff uh and they're discussing like the homophobia on their planet and whether like him asking them to leave his apartment and 
it's somewhere around 165 words on the page and that is in the top one percent that is like the maximum that we hit whereas more said 210 that is that is so small yeah yeah and so largely 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 that is and honestly that page is at least double what we normally get at some point i'm gonna give in and i'm just gonna like figure out exactly how many words and how many balloons are in every like literally every issue i'll do this at some point maybe for a video essay or something uh but with this arc the most i found was about 165 words so about 75 percent ish of what alan moore suggested uh and that is a big thing for me in terms of this is not just for new readers or anything like i still get put off when there's too much dialogue one of my favorite comics that i've read in the last you know five years was uh ryan north and was it erica oh henderson i believe it's erica henderson uh their squirrel girl run is one of the most sincerely hilarious comics and so good and so brilliant uh and uh there is still with that book which i would look forward to every month i would turn a page get just a wall of dialogue where it felt like half of what i was looking at was dialogue and i would just i would literally just set the book down and take a break from it because it was just like this is not what my brain is used to doing with comics is reading this insane amount of dialogue. And this is the thing. I think part of it is you're already processing a lot of information with comics. Because I always think about this where it's like, when I'm the same one. When I see a lot of dialogue, I'm like, oh, that kind of scares me. But I'm like, but I read prose all the time and I love prose. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But there's already a lot going on. You're already needing to kind of process characters, mm-hmm. watch action, see movements, see all of these things going on, right? So then when on top of that, you add in uh, just having to deal with walls of text and almost sometimes like finding characters within these balloons, uh, it becomes a real kind of mental puzzle yeah which yeah and i think you're just you're switching between two parts of your brain for that because with prose you can consistently be in this fantasy world that you're making up exclusively in your mind but for that it's literally for dialogue it's taking you out of the world so that you can imagine hearing it but you're no longer visualizing like you're no longer engaged with that visual representation of what this world is whenever you stop to read dialogue so it it so I I really do think that the less words the better uh is is largely the way to go if you want if you don't want to be taken out of that world too much. Uh and now with the with the three lines per balloon that Brubaker recommends, Saga does not give a fuck about this. <laughs> like it is rare. Yeah, I, I I noticed that flipping through. Yeah, it is sincerely rare for there to be a a balloon that has like it it is it is there is there's no attempt made at this a good 30 percent or whatever of the the dialogue neglects this uh and it's just like and it might even be i think this is a lot a lot of it has to do with the space that the artist is leaving for dialogue and also just the letterer's preference of whether they want those sort of oblong balloons or nice clean circles yeah and and saga very much goes for nice clean circles which is uh visually appealing i think i think this is another thing 
on kind of while we're on the topic of balloons, mm-hmm. a lot of Saga's balloons, like even when there are slightly different colors or different fonts for people, generally they're very, very uniform. Mm-hmm. And it's not like distracting. Like that's something, again, to bring up Sandman. I love Sandman, but there's all of these different kind of shapes and colors and some some balloons are black on white and some are white on yeah. black. And yeah, I think it, literally it hurts my eyes to to read a lot of uh, Morpheus's dialogue in those yeah. books because he has the white on black and it's all the scratchy like stuff. And yeah. they did that for the main character. It's very it's it's very kind of maximalist in its uh like like every single thing is going to be depicted differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I think that that's that's. So interesting yeah they're very good about again just not distracting you with sort of they're not trying to break the mold at all like they love they embrace the mold and it they want this to be the perfect mold uh when it comes to construction of comics uh but yeah to get to that that third one the three balloons per per panel yeah uh that warren ellis suggested there are three instances in this entire trade, uh, this entire volume, where there are four balloons, and otherwise, in every single panel, there's never more than three balloons. So they are, like, huh. just very dedicated to this. Uh, and it's it's so interesting to me. So largely, Saga just has way less dialogue than just about every other book, but... It's so weird because the thing, one of the things I associate with it most, and especially with Brian K. Vaughn, is the dialogue and the conversation. And there are so many dialogue-based scenes, too. And even, like, like the, the, the stuff where it's just, like, uh, you know, them... I mean, even, yeah, just straight up, like, the reporters talking to the special agent, yeah. like, at its peak, it never goes above three balloons uh and it never overcrowds the page and we only hit 165 words i think that really speaks to brian k vaughn's uh knowledge of the economy of words like he's really really good at saying a lot without saying much yeah um and i think that that's something that a lot of really good writers uh just when you write a lot you get better at figuring out efficient ways to talk right yeah and i and i also think like I think he's gotten a very good concept in his mind of just the scope of each issue, because I think a lot of it and what allows for so much of this is just him accepting that he can do, he has to do less in each issue than he's used to doing. Uh, where it's just like, like I, I've been talking about doing a, a short with an artist and we were talking about doing four pages for a long time. And finally we we're just like, let's do eight pages for the sake of it fitting into tweets. Uh, like let's do eight pages and suddenly it's just like in just doing that same story and suddenly the story just breathes so much more yeah and and it has so much more space for it's it's easier to show things visually because you can show sort of a progression of visual moments instead of having to get everything out in one panel uh and it is it just it's it's so freeing and so nice but it's just a matter of like just I, I have it so I think a lot of writers have it so built into their brain uh, what one issue of a comic looks like. Yeah. And how much you can do in that sort of three act structure, I guess. Uh, but 
there this this book just abandons that yeah i think people almost build it as like an episode of a tv show sometimes yeah yeah and a lot of the time in saga if you tried to flesh an issue out into a tv show it would be a pretty sparse tv show yeah it might be it might work as like a 22 minute tv show but yeah and i think that's just why and like i think that the only issue that would fall under that category is the first issue which was double the size yeah and so i think it very much and also that just helps with not not needing that cut and clear resolution and that three-act structure in every issue just helps with the cliffhanger nature of the book a lot that's i was gonna i was gonna bring that up next yeah just it because you're not being flooded with information Mm -hmm. these these plot points can take their time to develop and it can really get its hooks in you as you're watching this stuff play out yeah yeah for sure and there's so much payoff that uh was set up a few issues ahead instead of within the same issue yeah Uh, there's i mean yeah there have been instances where it's literally just like like there's setup that happened in the last scene of the last issue for the next like for the first scene of the yeah the, the next issue and and it works perfectly because they just don't have that that dedication to everything being they've pretty much completely ignored there's always that bullshit thing that i hate hearing with comics which is every issue is somebody's first issue so you have to yeah factor that into everyone and saga's just like fuck you read the whole book yeah if you want to follow along which <laughs> makes perfect sense i don't know why you wouldn't do that and i think it, that happens to an extent i think i think it's more of every arc is someone's first arc probably mm-hmm. uh is a little more it, it works better in that in that way but it gives no fucks about it being someone's first issue which we will talk about when we get to what the the free issue for free comic book day was because it starts yeah. off in the most hilarious like fuck you new readers way <laughs> possible and i love it i think i think another thing too uh that i think a lot of people find very approachable with saga um is just le- like having the same uh kind of writer author team uh, or writer artist team yeah and and lettering team throughout uh because i know when i was when uh, the first comic that i kind of read seriously was sandman and sandman like went through a few different artists and i Mm -hmm. remember it was always being really really jarring to me when when a story kind of changed artists and i'm i'm like there is such a clear, and even though Fiona Staples has clearly, as we noted last uh, issue, like improved a lot throughout, there's mm-hmm. just a clear kind of uh, aesthetic uh, that is completely cohesive throughout by having the same team do all of it. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good observation. And uh, yeah, it, again, I think so much of the readability is tied to immersion yeah. in the world. Uh, and that is such a big part of it. Also, just the fact that another thing that I, I want to point out that I actually counted uh, a very, a very common thing in just about every comic is that uh, artists will use uh, just flat, solid colors as backgrounds. Uh, like they'll have the establishing shot that shows the whole setting. And then they will use a lot of just sort of abstract, solid color backgrounds and. Uh, so that they don't have to keep drawing the same background over and over, especially if it's a complex environment. Um, Fiona Staples only does that in this volume six times 
where it'll just cut to white as a background everything else she renders the background it's that painted background every single panel but there are six times where she'll just cut to white one of them is for the action for like action punctuation of Gwendolyn punching the will in the face yep that's what i was thinking of yep and then the rest of them are all specifically uh wide shots on small panels so that they are ones that would and always a dialogue and they're ones that would very easily become super clustered i think a good example of it is again when uh special agent gale is talking to uh to upshur and doff in his apartment and there's one where the background just becomes white except she rendered the cabinets and counters and appliances in his kitchen and then the characters and then the rest of it is all white because that just becomes too again you it might slow you down if you have to figure out where the characters are in the panel then it just it slows down your reading and it becomes complicated and it takes you out of it even for a split second and so it's always those those anytime she needs to do a wide angle in a small panel she just drops out the background so that you can focus exactly what you need to focus on and then for the rest of it she's always drawing the backgrounds which i think goes so far in immersing you in this book where you always feel present in this world I think another thing that she does that helps with this immersion, and I don't even know how to properly explain it, but all of her color palettes feel like they fit together. They're mm -hmm. all really yeah. novel color palettes, um, which is just generally interesting. I am, as, as someone who makes color palettes for a living, I am super, super just in awe at the the way that Fiona Staples is able to do so much and make you experience colors in new ways and give colors new emotions, but none of it really assaults you. None of it is jarring unless it's meant to be, mm -hmm. and it all kind of has this flow. I think when I compare it to, I mean, especially like Silver Age comics are like hella maximalist, but even like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ev even like, like uh, a lot of kind of, 90s comics are like that too where there's just like a lot of colors going on and it's just like like i remember and it's still a great story arc but like i remember the first time i read age of, the age of apocalypse arc i was like what mm. the hell is going on <laughs> at any given time <laughs> dude okay i'm about this is something that because you're talking about the cohesive color palette uh i'm about to blow your mind so fucking much find issue uh 16 yep and that part that shot that i animated of prince robot sort of walking towards the camera like a badass yep and kill bill's playing uh and look at that double page spread we're seeing two separate scenes here but the color of the room it's it's clara and isabel talking on the left page and then prince robot calling uh his princess robot uh, on the other page the color of the room is extremely similar in the color tone of yeah the outdoors the purple of the couch that clara is sitting on is the same purple as prince robot's sash and the pink of isabel is identical to the pink uh just fucking curtain i guess draped behind uh princess robot and the cohesion in these two pages in separate scenes but what they do to just make 
having this book open to these two pages visually pleasing is so extensive and again just has to be thought out in some capacity and and i think this is the thing both this is one of the biggest things that i would say for both fiona staples and brian k vaughn is they understand how you read it because a lot of the Mm -hmm. time people look at a page kind of in a vacuum not as part of a spread and part of a turn and stuff like that within scenes too yeah yeah yeah, exactly like like uh, there's all of these moments when you just you can look at if you look at uh, any if you open to almost any kind of like spread of saga Mm -hmm. there's a cohesive aesthetic to the page no matter if it's against two uh two if it's two scenes or things like that and Mm -hmm. that really goes a long way to sell like i just picked up i just picked up another i i opened it to a random this is uh chapter 13 when we meet upshur and doff mm-hmm. uh and on one side we have a splash of upshur and doff and on the other side the rocket ship tree is going by the clockwork stars mm-hmm. there is a yellow on upshur's pants yeah that fit very well with the yellow on the clockwork stars uh there's the orange on doff's shirt that fits mm-hmm. well with the orange and then hazel's blanket is blue which goes with the blue of upshur and kind of the background yeah and even the brown jacket of doff and the rocket yeah that's just me picking a random page that was not premeditated at all and yeah and then even just narratively the the splash i was talking about before with the prince robot in one scene and clara and isabel in the other it also reminds you of the fact that prince robot is in the same setting as them yeah just outside and so because sometimes we get those nice like sort of like you know the jarring like we're going to lush green to establish that we're in a we're on a different planet now and then it's it's like sort of purposely uh but then we generally still get those those uh transitional colors between the scenes still but i love that this is just mentally like oh we're they're very close so the palettes are very close and I think it's interesting because the jarring, like the jarring color shifts, like the intentional, that is always, always on a page turn. That's never like mid scene. It's it's never super jarring colors on either side. Mm-hmm. The uh, I, and, and I think this is something that uh, Saga can do because they're with image because they don't have like ad pages between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why. Uh, someone who breaks a lot of the sort of guidelines that we were talking about earlier, uh, but is specifically to do their own thing and to fit into their own medium. Brian, uh, Brian Michael Bendis does uh, is known for his double page, double page splashes that still have like, like it's a bunch of uh, panels on it, but they like cross over between pages, uh, which is a rarity in comics, but he does it like crazy. And that is specifically, to avoid getting cut in half and screwing up his timing with uh with ads in the book yeah and that his 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 way of adapting to that which i love uh but yeah like even uh uh even looking at like uh, now i'm noticing all this stuff of like if you go to in a few pages before that prince robot and clara parallel uh if you go to marco watching the uh open circuit even like the chair that Alana is sitting on is the same pink 
as the uh as the outfit of the superhero woman in the open circuit yeah uh and yeah there's just it's so cool and like the mermaid lady is the same color as alana's hair like here here's a page where the lighthouse is the stripes on the lighthouse are painted with a bit more of a pink tinge to them so they match mm-hmm. isabel on the other page <laughs> No, it's 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 brilliant. And also we should point out not only not only is it uh consistent artist doing this, but Fiona Staples is also coloring these. Yeah. And that's I very I, true. I would be sincerely surprised if uh, there was a book at least up until the hiatus that came out this consistently uh and had the same artist doing both the line art and the colors for every issue that is yeah. so rare except for maybe like a cartoonist like or someone who is doing the writing and the art and like everything in it. it it is it is such a rarity to see this so that that is so interesting uh i want to get through a couple more of yeah, these little yeah. things we've talked there's a lot of them we've talked about before like the uh having the establishing shots at the beginning of scenes is so much better for readability uh we've talked a lot and again you can do this with literally i was just going through earlier literally any page uh go and see uh how much they stick to the role of whoever talks first in the panel is on the left Mm -hmm. whoever talks second is on the right uh one of my favorite examples of this was in issue 15 uh the part where alana and marco are talking outside of the lighthouse after they got into the argument of what like whether she should get a job and there's one such there's one point where marco talks first uh despite being on the right side of the panel and that is when he is standing and she's kneeling down to unbutton his pants (laughs) and so it still works perfectly for him being on the right because his uh his dialogue is on top and hers is on the bottom and it's just so good it's so fucking insane how how much work like i i it is it's so much work that I'm starting to like, I hit the point of like, Oh, this all has to be intentional to how is this intentional? And how are they still getting this book out every month and still at, well, used to get the book out every month and still like with how much thought has to go into that. Like it has to be instinctual for them at some point, but it is yeah, so much effort being put into that. Uh, and then the last one I'll point out uh, is the, is the fact that, just in terms of how the dialogue is written, the fact that it is, like you said, they don't do too many hyper fancy things. Like the the difference in Prince Robot's text and font is so slight between everyone else's, but it's still just enough. Yeah. And like is a in the fact that the most they will usually do is just change the color of the font, and it's not disruptive like at all. Or I guess Upshur and Doss is a little weird, but uh, but the, another major thing is that. All of the dialogue is just hyper conversational and very casual and just so easy to read. Compare that to Sandman. Oh, man. Compare yeah. that to anything Alan Moore. Again, Swamp Thing. And it's just like where it's just like this. Compare that to From prose. Hell. <laughs> 
They have a lot of dude. No, they have so many casual ten-page conversations about architecture in that book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is again just in terms of readability. It's the most obvious thing of it's just super readable. The dialogue is super casual and conversational and natural. And I think part of that is actually in Brian K. Vaughan's naming conventions. The a lot of the time when things like name stuff in sci-fi or fantasy, they kind of come up with these names that like sound sci-fi or fantasy. Yeah. Whereas Brian K. Vaughn, all of these things, most of the time, they're just words that we're familiar with. And sometimes there's sometimes there's kind of a connection that makes sense. And sometimes there isn't like with like Velour, the character's name, where it's like that that feels foreign, but also it makes sense. And it's not like. It's it's not like like Skithrix the Blight Dragon or something like that. Right. That's a little Magic the Gathering reference for all of you all of you fans out there. Uh, I mean, and even like again, it's it's funny because Neil Gaiman is a genius, but like he just clearly has less of a concern about readability. Uh, but like the fact that he Good Omens the co-protagonist is named a zero fail yeah and shit like that where it's just like exhausting just to read it in a book over and over again i think particularly with fantasy a lot of fantasy kind of draws on like like kind of dense histories of mythology or different languages or things like that and so that can be it's really cool and it serves world building purposes but it makes it more difficult to approach. Yeah, I think they strike that perfect chord. Uh, and and one of your favorite characters coming up, I think, is such a good... It's a good example of that, except for the people who don't know how to say the name of a certain <laughs> character that we'll meet, I think, two arcs from now. Uh, but again, it's like a real-world word that, like... Yeah, it's great. They're great at it. It's so good. So this book is is fantastic. And that that is sort of that's our masterclass via saga of how to make your book just super approachable and super bingeable is is just do all that stuff that I just said that has to take years and years of experience and thought. It's that easy. <laughs> any any others to get any any others to get through? Uh, I think he's good at transitions match cuts stuff like that i think the transitions from scene to scene are really good other other things we've mentioned a lot the action the action is very like deliberate and driven and it's very readable Mm -hmm. yep always going left to right except when they want you to slow down and stuff like that it's it's very intentional yeah that they they are good about the 180 line except for when it makes more sense for the dialogue yep and and that uh and i like that they sort of trump the 180 line with uh, the maintaining that back and forth of characters talking of being left and right. But yeah, yeah, there's, there's a million little things, but I think we, we hit a lot of the major ones. I, th- I think one of the big takeaways that I really get from this is that they're not trying to do things too flashy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not trying to, it, it's almost they're not trying to use the medium to tell the story they're trying to tell the story within the medium yeah again yeah just actively not breaking the mold which is so weird to say about one of the most groundbreaking comics i've ever read uh and then oh and then one that we mentioned actually in the last uh uh between the arcs uh 
in, but is very important. So I want to bring it up to have it in this list is the fact that uh, that Fiona Staples paints the background and then uh, and then uses flat colors on the characters so that you yeah. can immediately pick out the characters. And again, she specifically said that is to make it more readable. That's awesome. It's great. So there's your there's your little list of yeah. all the things you should do in your your massive 108 uh, issue story arc. Uh, to make people actually read it and also have lots of sex yeah, yeah people yeah, yeah, like yeah. sex not in the book not in the book just have lots of sex you'll be happier for it. I think that's a good just a good tip just generally um back so, matter uh back matters that's the name of the segment let's play the theme song song is i'm sure it was good hey here's some stuff that we learned from from reading the letters pages uh in the in the back of of every issue which this is this is now like i said now i'm hitting my single issues so i'd never read any of the back matters for these first three volumes but also there's a pretty good chance that about half of the issues going forward i still didn't read the letters pages anyway because there are times where i'm just like i don't have time for this shit (laughs) And it's not necessary reading. So I'm sure I'll still discover new things. But this is the last one where I'm go- I am went in totally cold, not knowing uh, what was going to be in here and what we'd find. Uh, first one that I want to bring up from issue 13 is that, <laughs> that uh, in reference to uh, Goose and Frendo, yep. this is before, oh, this this is, was before this is very it was important. decided. So first of all, it's something that I've referenced before, which is that uh, Brian K. Vaughn, credits fiona staples entirely with coming up with those characters and as of issue 13 he had just decided that one's name was goose and the other one was named walrus friend <laughs> so the, the, the original goose of friendo was goose and walrus friend and there uh and he said they may goose and walrus friend is the like knockoff action figure version <laughs> And the new name of this podcast, uh, but they, uh, but yeah, this is this is it. He also establishes that he wasn't even sure. He's like, they may have a large part to play. One or both of them might have a large part to play in the story going forward. We'll see. But it is established that until she made those designs for that issue, uh, that they were not a part of the story. And they had no significant role, and who knows? They could they could uh, change in some way. I know we said we wouldn't do spoilers, but it's fucking clearly with how much we love Goose and Frendo, they're gonna make it come back in some capacity. I hope they do. <laughs> uh, and also, <laughs> Noah, I don't know how we're gonna do this. Uh, I guess just we'll link it in the whatever, and you'll just have to listen to it afterwards. But there is a rap song about Saga. What by? by adam warrock nice adam warlock reference and it's called family matters parentheses a saga i'm just looking i just googled this now oh my god it is this is it i love it uh so everyone at home go ahead pause the podcast we'll put a link down into at least the youtube 
description. I'm listening in my background now. <laughs> this is going to be fucking worthless trying to have a conversation with you during this, but it is fantastic. And it's like, it starts from Hazel's perspective. And then I think it's about like the will. And it's also just referencing, like it gets meta and references the writing of the book and stuff. Uh, but it's fantastic. That's phenomenal. And so Family Matters, a saga by Adam Warrock. Uh, we'll have to make that the yep. new theme song at some point. We should, we should, uh, we should have Adam Moore rock on the podcast. I would love that. Hey, and also everyone who goes, go look it up on YouTube uh, and listen to it on there, uh, and write a comment saying that uh, Horns and Wings sent you to it. Yeah, and yeah, and that'll be our planting the seed a bit. But good job, Adam Warrock, because I legitimately like the song. I've got, I've like, got, a, it's, there's, it's fucking enjoyable. I've got contact for him, so we could, we could, we we could uh, message him and see about having him on an episode. That would be, that would be rad. Cool, I would enjoy that. Cool. Uh, yeah. So there's that. I, I like it a lot. Uh, also, uh, oh, Noah. Yep. I said before we started recording today, there are two uh, bombshells. Yeah, that, that were specifically for you. The first was the reveal that we that our four star became a five star. <laughs> yeah, and the second one. So Brian K. Vaughn got a letter that referenced how insanely hot Marco is, and then Brian K. Vaughn's response was the letter was not wrong. <laughs> that Marco gets a lot of love, but there is not enough love for Fard, and he specifically <laughs> says he specifically refers to Fard as, uh, <laughs> oh, he says pendulously gonaded planet inseminators need love too yes so we have confirmation that fard's that fard fucked the biological planet. rule is that he fucks planets and impregnates them fard the planet fucker is canon that's amazing and we are one million percent going to whenever we run out of issues we are going to continue the story and act like it's actually happening oh fard the planet fucker oh, fard the planet fucker who got off who hitched a ride uh off of a one of the fucking i don't know the missiles or some shit and fard the planet fucker is actually the name of my favorite grindcore band <laughs> have you not heard uh the other saga rap song by fard the planet fucker because it's fantastic uh but no i i love that i i know we talk a lot about like wanting to leave things ambiguous outside of the text and not necessarily wanting a lot of things confirmed with this the world building but i needed to know that fard fucked that planet yeah that's <laughs> it's fantastic and having and having uh there is a fucking like in world explanation for why his balls are so massive that's amazing that's great uh <laughs> Yeah, and also... Also, Brian K. Vaughn is right. There is not enough love for Fard. Yeah, no. It's... He's... I, I, I'm i DTF with Fard. <laughs> Are you DTF Fard? I'm down to Fard. <laughs> God damn it. I've fard. already put Fard in so many titles of these goddamn episodes, <laughs> but we have to do down to Fard for this one. D DTF, <laughs> down to Fard. God damn it. No one clicks on the <laughs> fart ones, and still we have to do it. Uh, also, I thought it was nice someone named their kid Hazel from the comic. That's cute. Wrote in and talked about that. That's nice. Uh, oh, this one you'll be offended by, Noah. Um, Brian K. Vaughn 
has never is it anti-Canadian? Oh <laughs> no, it's anti-Noah. It's specifically anti-Noah. Brian K. Vaughn has never read Tolkien, huh? And he has never seen any films ad- uh, that adapt his work. So he's never seen the Lord of the Rings films. He's never read the books, which is weird because that is the thing we reference next to maybe Game of Thrones. The thing we reference most in in terms of saga is that it is the Lord of the Rings of our time, and he has zero influence from that. I mean, that just sounds like poor life decisions. <laughs> I've lost you, John. But, oh, you lost me. You're gone now. Oh, it's just me. The thing. I am taking <laughs> over this it. podcast. Fucking again, we do this shit. So here, now I can hear I'm Noah, message but you. he can't hear me. I've lost. And this is you. magical. I can say whatever the fuck I want about him. Hey Noah, but uh, now that you're how, gone, how are you going? this is about to turn into the Fard Radio Hour. Oh, so I welcome to the, the first hour. in what I hope to be just <laughs> hundreds and. Hundreds of episodes about uh, our Lord <laughs> and Savior, Fard. Yeah. Yeah, um, Fard. Today we're actually going to talk about uh, a lesser noticed aspect of Fard, uh, mm-hmm. which is Fard's bone, by which I don't <laughs> mean his chode. I mean the literal bone uh, that going. Fard holds. It. I wonder what does that come from? Where did Fard <laughs> find the bone? Oh, now I lost him. Um. <laughs> What do you what do you guys think? I'll be taking calls all night uh, for the Fard Radio Hour. Uh, personally, I I like I like to think that Fard wrestled the bone out of a still living uh, Brontosaurus. Nope. Though Brontosaurus actually isn't a real thing, isn't it? It's a uh, it's Hello. it's a Brachiosaurus. Yes, it's uh, the shin bone of a Brachiosaurus that Fard wrestled still living. Uh, that's that's what I like to believe. Oh, um, I heard you for oh, a second. Oh, damn it, you're back. <laughs> so, fun fact, and this is going to be great for the podcast, for at least the first 40 seconds of that, I could still hear you and you couldn't hear me. <laughs> so it's me commenting on you not being able to hear me. And boy, do we have a good fucking episode ahead <laughs> Yeah, did, did you is... hear what I... You, so you got to listen in on the Fard Radio I Hour? To, <laughs> I got to listen in for a good chunk of the Fard Radio Hour. <laughs> oh, I'm that's glad beautiful. That this is a recurring theme in our fucking garbage between the arts episodes. Oh, that's great. Uh... <laughs> Last thing, last thing. I'm from so Mac happy Matters. you heard that live. <laughs> oh man! Uh, last thing for back matters is that just something that I thought was interesting because we've referenced it a few times is that uh, when asked about the racial diversity in the in the comic, Brian K. Vaughn credits Fiona Staples for being the one who chooses that and who who's oh. who arranges all of oh. that. So. John's gone again, which means oh, God, we can happily return <laughs> the Fard Radio to the Fard Mother Radio hours. Fucker. Call one eight hundred Fard's Balls um, to to talk toll free. I'd love to get someone on the line, um, but in the meantime, uh, I think that we're gonna cut to a song that that just makes me think of the majesty of Fard. Be big balls um, by and just I oh. Oh, are you back? Oh, am I? Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to know what this song was. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll have to wait till the next time you drop out.
<laughs> All right. Hey, let's do. Let's do. It the, was gonna be you, "Ride of the Valkyries" by Richard Wagner. <laughs> okay, I was. I was really pulling for "Big Balls" by ACDC. I'll take well, it. I would have said that, but you've done it already. <laughs> well, it's a. The, you know, we're very anti-reusing jokes on this podcast, so I appreciate that. Um, hey, hey, I'm lying here. <laughs> It. what a great song um so no uh you know it, it is the year of our lord 2013 so i think yep. the only appropriate thing to do uh is we really we have a major backlog for this is is take the 2013 saga reader survey all right uh 25 questions uh about us personally that we are going to answer uh, and then submit, and then win a bunch of prizes for. Uh, so, first question, Noah. In the parlance of these newfangled chat rooms, <laughs> what is your ASL? Boy, this has aged really well immediately, yep. right off the bat. <laughs> Noah, what is what does ASL stand for for all the kids out there? Uh, for you youths, uh, <laughs> age, sex, location, and it was used on things like like chat roulette and omegle <laughs> uh frequently remember aim do you remember AOL oh yeah Messenger? yeah yeah but that's like uh, that's that way before nice. 2013 hey no unnecessary okay <laughs> i'm the average age of readers here established yeah. this. yeah what i i am so i am actually at the time of this recording i am 25 male and in vancouver um but when this episode comes out, I will be 26. What? Huh. Yeah. Birthday boy. Well, my present to you. Uh, fards balls. What's fards? The, the <laughs> explanation of fards balls. The justification. <laughs> and, and, oh, and what did and your what friend about get you for your birthday? Oh, just some fard balls explanation. <laughs> That's all I could ask for. Um, ASL... I God, what fucking age am I? I, I never just say what year you were 28, born. 28, 28, okay. 28, 28. I'm 28. Uh, and uh, sex. Mm, yes, please. And <laughs> of course. <laughs> and was it location? Uh, I'm in this wonderful city called St. Louis. I don't know if I've told you about it. No, I never There's, heard about have, it. Never heard we're, about we're it. Right next to this. There's gorgeous, a park, gorgeous park or something Dude, earlier today. <laughs> earlier today this is this is early. supposed to be the fastest of these questions we have we have 25 of them and then our questions of the week well now it's the longest one so just let me get through it noah so yep. i woke up early today uh and i went out i got a donut i got a i got a an oreo a cookies and cream donut gorgeous big donut from his place called vincent van donuts go check it out it's fantastic went over to rise coffee grabbed the new they finally brought back the fall spice but they called it i think the fall old-fashioned latte okay. or something okay. now okay it's fantastic but then no listen remember to how we then talked about economy to, of words earlier then i went to this is still i'm still under 210 <laughs> words per page here uh <laughs> might have might have gone past three lines per bubble uh so uh i went to there's this it's called the missouri botanical garden and it's like a big it's like a theme park for plants and they have different sections of every section of the world the plants from that from that area okay. they even have biodomes where they have like desert plants and rainforest okay. plants yeah and i went there and i looked at all of the it is tree week 
and all the changing trees. I went there. I just strolled through, had my okay. coffee, had my donut. How is this relevant? Magical. Ready for podcasts. <laughs> uh, so St. Louis. Come to St. Louis. We're fantastic here. Uh, question number two, if you're finally ready to move on, Noah. Question number two <laughs> is, and if you don't mind us asking, where do you buy your comic books? So I live in St. Louis, and we there's this fantastic. Wait, what's, go what's to it downtown. is that? Uh, it is, it is, so you know, uh, do you know New Orleans? Uh, yes, I've okay, heard of so New Orleans, So you're going to want to yes. get on the Mississippi River <laughs> okay. and just go up. Just okay. go north and you'll hit us. Uh, stop at the arch and, uh, and I go to start, we mentioned this, I think last time they have re- a repeat question here. Stark Clipper Comics is the fucking best. So you're channel. near Memphis then? Sort of. <laughs> i'm five hours from memphis five hours from chicago we're kind of very very central like five hours from nashville not that far from uh minneapolis great only location. people only people in north Kansas america City, think five, five hours ou- five hours from somewhere isn't far Fucking people in north america and australia <laughs> canada it's five hours to the next fucking road oh yeah yeah no what no i agree talking about? I ch- <laughs> <laughs> all right um i get my comics uh right now in Vancouver, I get them from um, uh, Golden Age Collectibles, and I also just want to give a shout out. Cut this down a little bit, no, no, I don't know if we have time for this. <laughs> when I lived in Ottawa, uh, I got them from Comet Comics, uh, Silver Snail. While it existed, it sadly yeah. doesn't exist in Ottawa anymore. Boo. Um, and the Comic Book Shop, which is the most aptly named comic book shop in existence now i'm also gonna i'm gonna shout out all american comics in warren ohio and also boardman ohio my good friend greg over there and randy i think still works there they're both great uh and actually like really (laughs) no this is actually really important guys like if you're if you've listened to this podcast and you want to buy saga or things like that yeah please or, or we talk about comics that you want like, like, it really does a lot to go buy them from local comic stores and not to order them off Amazon or something like that. Like, it it really, really is, it's it's really important, and comic book stores are a key, key part of the comics industry, so it's really important to support them. Absolutely, and also it's worth noting that there are a good amount of comic book shops that sell online. Uh, so if you, if you are in a place that's very, I grew up in a town that was an hour away from the closest comic shop, there are absolutely, this is how I fill in a lot of the issues I've missed. I order specifically, I can't think of the shop right now, but there are, there are absolutely plenty of shops online that will be happy to, to mail you copies. So do that at least instead of going to Amazon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Hey, okay. But when was the last time you climbed a rope? and slash or used a rope to aid your ascent i thought about this a few years back i went to one of those like adventure park things and that was probably Mm -hmm. the the last time okay this is so fucking funny because i was planning i was gonna be like oh well i'm from st louis and we have this place called city museum which no have i actually talked to you yeah you have told me about that yeah yeah it's like a big scrapyard like magical place and i climbed a rope and it was terrifying there uh, they have one that's like on a slide that's 45 degrees and then there are a bunch of kids behind okay. me and I was like oh yeah. if I trip now I'll die I'll, and I'll kill all these kids and that's fun so it's a great place but literally today 
they were it was the this is the closing weekend for the children's garden at the botanical garden that i went to and, and there was so, a rope there, for you to climb and there is a rope that i had i literally have rope burns on my hand right now from trying to climb this goddamn rope and it is so hard to do uh so i i don't encourage it but literally today was the last time i used to okay rope so how about so john do you Mm -hmm. believe in any kind of afterlife i don't i don't not believe i'm 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 purely agnostic i'm an absurdist to the extent that it's like i'm not gonna fucking find this out in my lifetime but someone would have done that by now (laughs) and so let me just say mm -hmm. not not believing in an afterlife is not believing in an afterlife uh well i also don't believe that there isn't an afterlife yeah yeah believe yeah no that's that's such a cop-out answer the answer is no i don't believe in any kind of afterlife i mean that's what i i think i think i mean except i do believe that afterlife by arcade fire is a great song fantastic song i love the spike jones when he directed the mtv music awards i think it was and then they had greta gerwig dance to it live it was it made a live video for it go check that out um but uh i will say uh fucking don't get me this i'm gonna make this as truncated get, are, as possible are you gonna say st louis is heaven fucking, and when we die no, we all no, go to no, st louis no. <laughs> this is st louis the five in heaven right now this is the big <laughs> twist this is the, we're at the end of lost um so no i i will say i i'm a fucking i majored in philosophy and i got all that shit out of my system very early but i will say i i uh don't i do not group myself in with atheists in the sense that people who say definitively there is no God because that is as much of a logical leap as there is to say there is or you're still making a logical there is a logical fallacy there to assume that something absolutely doesn't exist when we just do not have the possess the knowledge. I think it's probably unlikely. I don't pol- personally believe there is an afterlife or a God, but I like agnostic because it's actually accurate and it doesn't take the confidence necessary uh, that is contrary to philosophy itself. That's my answer. <laughs> Agnostics are just lazy atheists. Moving on. Who's the most famous person you went to school with? <laughs> hey, Noah, prove that a God doesn't exist, bitch. <laughs> we'll get into this right now, baby. Burden of proof. <laughs> I don't need to prove that a god doesn't exist because everything I I don't need to prove that I can't prove that I exist either but I'm not a purely fucking Rene Descartes person. Uh here's one thing that I always liked that uh Hume brought up was that there's if you grew up on like if you grew up on a continent where there were just red apples then you couldn't say, oh, I know there are no green apples. That's absurd. Just because you haven't fucking seen the thing. We've experienced, we've observed such a tiny little fraction of our universe. Uh, and it also depends on your uh, your definition of a god. Because I'm sure there are fucking advanced life forms or well, there's one god intelligence out there. There is one true god. Well, and mean, his we name is Fard. It's Fard, yep. <laughs> I saw that coming from uh that was definitely within the observable universe seeing that shit also come. also um let me tell you that uh atheist doesn't necessarily mean one who believes that there isn't a god it means one who doesn't believe that there is gods so mm, you know what you'd probably know better than me because i just got a degree in philosophy so uh <laughs> there's agnostic atheist that's specifically what i am 
There oh are my hard god, atheists. you're so pedantic. There are hard atheists. Literally, that's the whole point of philosophy is there's it's nothing but semantics. There's hard atheists who say there's definitely not a god. I know there's not a god. They're full of shit. I'm saying those specific people <laughs> okay. are so okay. full of shit and they're wrong and idiots. Um, <laughs> nice of you to call me that. <laughs> Uh, I'm cool with you saying that I don't believe in a god, but for you to say that there definitely is one just because you don't believe, or isn't one just because you don't believe in it, is uh, is just as much of a leap of faith as there is to say there is one. Hey, what famous person? I What's never said it wasn't me. With? I'm the most famous. <laughs> me too, baby. That's another one down. Hey, an adolescent sex talk. What does third base represent to you? Hand to genital contact. Okay. Uh, see, Wait, there, no, I think no, he's... no, no Mouth oh. to genital contact Whoa <laughs> What's sex then? What's home of sex? Okay. That's home Oh, but then we get into anal though I th Is that the dugout? <laughs> <laughs> well, an orgy is a grand slam Because it's grand and everyone's slamming each other I hate all of it Um <laughs> Well, uh, a threesome is a triple play. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's really get in the weeds here. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> uh, let's. The seventh feel. inning stretch uh -huh. is. <laughs> you got to take a break, obviously. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you know when when you need to get up and get some water because you're too dehydrated. That's the, the seventh the inning stretch. And then finally, we can all agree that the bottom of the ninth is you're the bottom of a 69. So, uh, <laughs> adolescent sex talk, what does third base represent to you? I th this is a classic misunderstanding here because what is uh, second base? I don't know is third base. So, that's a classic shout out for all of you 80 year olds out there. <laughs> Who's on first? Seven, President Obama. <laughs> Again, our good president. Boy, 2013 was fucking nice, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. President Obama probably hasn't had too much free time since he was elected. So which non-saga comics that have been released in the last five years would you most recommend to him? Brian K. Vaughn might not know about this, but there's a really great comic called Paper Girls. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd recommend that. <laughs> or uh, or uh, there's a comic I've, I've heard of called Pretty Deadly. Um, I don't know how I heard about it, but uh, way to steal mine. <laughs> Pretty deadly, the rat. Go pay. I think issue three is coming out soon. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say Specs is a good one. Superhuman. Okay. Neon Noir. Okay. Suffragettes. <laughs> okay. I really like Suffragettes yeah. a lot. Uh, those are my go-to's personally. Hey, number eight. Uh, it's your final meal. What would you like to drink with that? Um. It depends on the meal, uh, but probably either a strawberry milkshake or a Sunsplit IPA from Dominion City Brewing in Ottawa. Uh, here's I, I need some clarification. Do I only get one of them? Yes. Because it's like you don't necessarily want to get like, you know, a beer or a shot of something if it's not going to do much. You know what? So well, I'm no, do... no. I love drinking beer for the beer, not for the drunk. I should have drank a beer before this. Yeah, I was thinking about that, uh, and I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, give me give me five <laughs> seconds. All right. Okay, I'm gonna do that too, and I'm not gonna cut this out. Be right back. Great radio.
All right. John's still gone, which means it's time for the Fard Radio Hour. It's nice and cool here in Vancouver. It's a beautiful fall. The leaves are turning colors. It reminds me of the deep pink of Fard's eyes and nutsack. Uh, I'm going to crack open a brew here. Oh, that's a nice sound. Tonight we're drinking 33 Acre, <laughs> 33 Acres of Ocean by 33 Acres Brewing Company, and we're thinking of 33 Acres of Fard, because there's never too much Fard. <sighs> oh, John's back. Oh, well, I was just doing normal things. Oh, yeah. Oh, that fully. Oh, that fully. What are, what are you that drinking, That got John? all over my screen. Uh <laughs> So I'm from St. Louis, and we have a very strong local. You <laughs> might have heard of Budweiser. From where? Budweiser, we do here. Still, uh, still Louis. Still Louis. <laughs> Fun fact: I asked for directions from from my Google Home the other day, and it called it Street Louis. <laughs> really Street Louis. <laughs> um, but uh, but there's a local brewing company that I just went to. They had Lego Night. St. Louis is a fucking dream. That's amazing. Free Lego night, and you just go there and build with the Legos they have, and drink beer. Uh, but Four Hands Brewing Company, they have this one that I discovered that night called Full Life, and it is a nice lager, just like a nice refreshing lager. Full Life, like like as in like like Half Life, but Full Life. Full Life, as in the thing you have when you live in St. Louis, baby. Yum. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Full Life, as in like. My life wasn't full until Fard first entered it. <laughs> that was a very, very specific choice of words there. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I'm going to finish the thing I was saying. So if I'm, I'm going to say I only get one drink, uh, it's going to be the fucking hand grenade that is that comes in a long neon green cup down in New Orleans that you can get at like a walk-up window because those things will knock you on your ass no matter if you just have one and it tastes fucking delicious actually it's my final i might because i've never had it and if i'm gonna die i might as well uh <laughs> my last drink is gonna be ayahuasca tea <laughs> <laughs> oh boy fucking famous piece of shit on death row over here all right uh oh boy i'm not i'm gonna be useless on this one uh on star trek the next generation which two characters had a never acknowledged love affair that only you know about. So this is the obvious answer, but it's clearly Picard and Data. You know what? I'm going to go with uh, Data and a hologram of Picard that he created on the holodeck. Okay. John, answer. what's yeah. the best thing you've ever stolen other than the last goddamn hour of my time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've... No joke. I don't know if I've stolen a thing. I think, well, I think I took, I think I took, <laughs> I think I took money out of like my dad's wallet to go buy an iTunes card so I could <laughs> buy um, uh, either, it was either a Modest Mouse album or a Spoon album. So <laughs> that, I think you can figure out to the fucking month when that would be. <laughs> do you want to say, do you want to apologize for that? <laughs> Uh, fuck no. That's a that's probably a good <laughs> album statistically. Uh, fucking like mid two thousands spoon. Give me that shit. You wanna you wanna hear the best answer to this? 
The best thing I've stolen was my fiance's heart. Bam. Done. Oh, actually, no, I'm going to change mine to that, too. Uh, the best thing I've stolen is your fiance's heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was really hey. rude was the way that you left her bleeding on the floor. <laughs> Kalima. It was, it Kalima. Was, I just, I really wanted to recreate that, that <laughs> splash of the stalk. <laughs> scene. Uh, so, hey, who or what do you miss? I miss Ottawa. I miss living in Ottawa. Ottawa's a great city. How about you? Well, I miss the botanical garden that I went to earlier. <laughs> that was really nice. Um, what do I miss? There was, uh, there was in Carrollton, Ohio, where I grew up, town of 3,000 people. Uh, they had, uh, it was Ames. was like a sort of knockoff Walmart or Kmart that went out of business early 2000s. And I miss going there and saving up tons and like every dime I could save up to either get a ton of Pokemon cards or a new Lego set. Nice. Like, that was all. That was my whole. That was my job. That was my career at the time. Was just any money I could save up to go get uh, as many Legos as I could. Uh, I'd be set. So I miss you, Ames. No, know what else I miss that this su- survey is making me miss. I missed 2013. Fuck yes. <laughs> Seriously. Holy shit. It's so bad now. Yeah. Just, I, I want to just... cry from seeing the name President Obama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I miss you so much. Oh, boy. And um, I don't even like him that much. <laughs> he, he, he did a lot of really, really reprehensible moral things. But I just, it's delightful just to think of how nice it was when he was, when he was president of your backwards country. <laughs> you don't even live here. You got the same Trudeau garbage. See, <laughs> back when we both had black presidents. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in 2013, we didn't have Trudeau yet, I don't think. Yeah, but I think he was at his blackest at that point. (laughs) Um, Have you ever had a possible supernatural experience? And if so, what happened? Did the anti-god show up and be like, yo, God don't exist? (laughs) I got the 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 skinny on The anti-god is actually the name of a uh, villain in Black Hammer, which is a great comic. Um I was actually, I was gonna actually ask. really excited when I thought of that because I was like, <laughs> shit, that's really good. <laughs> I was I was actually going to ask, do religious experiences count? Because the first time I gazed into Fard's warty butt sack, nut sack. <laughs> butt sack, hold on. Hold on. We're doing some really good world building here now. Uh, yeah, no. This is... The first time I gazed oh. into Fard's nut sack, I saw God, so... <laughs> But but other than that, no, I I don't even I don't really think I've had anything that's possibly supernatural. Oh, actually, no, no. So <laughs> this is this was fucking spooky as hell. Um, so two years ago at Christmas, uh, Emma and I were uh, staying at her mom's house, and we were in the basement, and it was. I'm pretty sure it was Christmas Eve, uh, but it might have just been around Christmas, and there was a keyboard, like a piano keyboard, in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just started playing in the <laughs> middle of the night. Like, like, like a- Emma woke up and was like, do you hear that? And I was like, what? And it was like the piano just like 
playing random notes. It was fucking spooky. <laughs> That's fantastic. What about you? So, you know what? Honestly, the closest I've gotten to, like, supernatural fucking weird shit. Yeah. To the point that, uh, to the point where I'm just, like, I'm actively, because my reaction to stuff like that is never, like, oh, shit, a ghost or something. It's, like, oh, what the fuck are the odds of this? This is crazy <laughs> that this has occurred to make it seem like this. Uh, I think a good example of that was one time I was going, I was trying to unlock my front door at, uh my at a house i lived at yep and uh that's a weird way to say that (laughs) but i only lived at the top floor so it's kind of accurate um i was trying to unlock the door and it was like middle of the night and i looked over and i saw the most terrifying creature that in no way looked human or not human but uh, fucking earthly (laughs) like it looked so fictitious and alien that i was like my first thought was okay i'm on a prank show someone's fucking with me (laughs) this is because it is this terrifying snarling glowing eyed creature just totally still and staring at me i was like someone planted this scary thing in my yard and then it like blinked and i was there for a good 20 seconds just thinking what is the explanation for this shit and it turned out to be uh, a possum and to the extent where i had no idea how fucking fucked up possums could look you please go look up like scary possum uh and it is it is the most terrifying alien shit in the world i want to look i want to i want to keep an eye on google trends and see if there's a spike for scary possum (laughs) when this episode drops the first ever (laughs) the first ever search for it um but no but the thing i was gonna say that had me really questioning shit was uh literally like three days ago um i so i i made my first the the reason i started make stuff my youtube channel it was because i made a video about hamilton the musical uh and i'm obsessed with it i love it it's literally one of my favorite things to ever exist uh and it's like like literally like top five writing of all time for me definitely uh, top I, five musicals definitely top five uh, musicals about alexander hamilton (laughs) about treasury secretaries in the united states around 1776 uh but i I never had the money to go see it because it's like hundreds of dollars and i have to bring two people because my damn wife (laughs) (laughs) so so i so years pass and i play the hamilton lottery on my phone uh which is like literally you if you win it you get to you get two tickets you can buy two tickets for $10 each. It's uh, Hamilton for a Hamilton. <laughs> and uh, and you can go... That's who's on the $10 bill here. No, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but you can, you can. But the, the tickets are for the next day. And we won them for the Chicago show, which St. Louis is conveniently only five hours from. Very drivable, except when it's fucking pouring rain. So we literally like drop everything. Uh, a few days ago, we uh, finally win the, the lottery. And drop everything, go to go up to Chicago. It's literally drive there, go see the show, drive back. <laughs> like, don't do anything else. Um, and we get there, get the tickets. The tickets are, like, in a really shitty spot where it's, like, the top half of the stage is covered by the balcony because we're in the back. And, like, there's a column directly in front of me. But I still cried four times during the show. But uh, But we walk into the lobby and... This woman comes up to me as part of the staff and says, 
I'm sorry, are you John from Make Stuff? Which has never happened to me in my goddamn life. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, hey, I'm one of your patrons on Patreon. <laughs> and uh, and it's really cool to meet you. Hey, do you want to go up on the stage after the show? And I'm like, fucking yes. What is happening? <laughs> so I watch the show. It's fucking great. We go up to the stage. I'm on the list. My name's spelled correctly on the list. That felt nice. I'm very exclusive. I go back uh, up on the stage. Uh, I'm a celebrity. And I do like a video for the vlog on the stage. And it's the fucking coolest thing in the world. And then I turn around and the fucking Hamilton's there. Like the guy who plays Hamilton. And like I met him. And it was he was super fucking nice. And we took a picture together. And just all this shit that I just was not expecting. But just the fact that I literally after she came up to me. And we were waiting like 40 minutes for the show to start. I was just sitting there being like, I won this lottery and then I ran into one of Make Stuff's 113 patrons in the world in this lobby. And it happens to be the one person who can get me on stage for Hamilton and meet Hamilton. And it was just such a fucking bonkers series of events. And I'm going to say... I do believe in a God now, Noah. <laughs> the, now it's, see, there's burden of proof right there. God exists. <laughs> okay. I do that. Ignore all the other uh, shitty, horrible luck I've had in my life. Were you, were you just going <laughs> to find a way to shoehorn that story into like one of the, one of the answers to these questions no, regardless? I, I, I sincerely, I, 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 I sincerely had like a question of faith when that shit was going down. It's fucking bonkers. Uh, I think it makes for a nice story. Hey Noah, so, do you know anyone yeah. currently in prison? No, I do not. Noah, yeah. Do you know anyone currently in prison? <laughs> Noah, where were you on the night of the no 16th? comment? Fuck. I plead. I plead the fifth. Fucking. That's why I made this whole podcast, Noah, <laughs> to trap you with the 2013 song. It's like thing. it's like cereal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I almost fucking All did right. it. Do you know anyone currently in prison? Uh, I've had some family members that ended up in prison for various Oof. dumb reasons, but I don't. Uh, I don't think I know anyone currently. Uh, John, mm -hmm. which field and or fields? Do you consider yourself an expert in? Uh, I was in a field at the botanical garden <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> I was, uh, oh, actually, it's a very specific list because I, I feel like it, you know, that means like a complete knowledge yeah. or something close to it. So it has to be kind of restrained. For me, it's specifically, and I'm talking about lore and everything, Bioshock. Hamilton. Oh. <laughs> uh, absolutely Hamilton. <laughs> Uh, I did. Is Bioshock a field? Shit. Does that yes. count as a field? Absolutely. Okay. Because also the because I'm talking about lore and every and the making of the game. Like I've done just so much passion research of just like I want more of this thing. Uh, same goes for the Half Life slash Portal universe because those are connected, and uh, Steven Universe. I know just about yep. all there is to know. How about you, Noah? Um, again, I don't really consider myself an expert in much, but if I needed to pick, and if what your fucking soft definition of fields, um, I would say Led Zeppelin. Okay. I, I know a thing or two about Led Zeppelin. Um, maybe Jeff Lemire? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Quick, what country is Jeff Lemire from? Yugoslavia. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> you, you knew the secret answer. Actually, this is what I this is what I do actually consider myself an expert in is skiing. Um, I have taught skiing. Uh, I'm certified to teach skiing. I've skied my whole life. I'm I know a lot about skiing, downhill skiing, not the boring mm. kind. Yeah, I used to I I used to play uh, free ski on the library computer so i'd I'd also include myself in that group nice i'm gonna add one because this one's this one's interesting uh ratatouille tarts ratatouille tarts okay i have perfected i've perfected the ratatouille tart it is my dish that i go i make it for any next when you visit st louis uh, i don't know if i've sold you on it yet but when you visit (laughs) st louis going to make you the best goddamn ratatouille tart you've ever had in your entire life this is the thing with me and why by the way i'm a really picky eater i don't even know what's in a ratatouille tart is that do you kill an animated rat yeah yeah yeah. and then toast it no 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 no, you fucking idiot i put the animated rat in my hair and then it tugs on my hairs and then it makes the tart you don't have hair Exactly. That's why I've got, I've got. That's what. That's why I'm an expert because it's so fucking hard to do. Yeah, I, I'm actually an expert in very little. I like having a breadth of knowledge more than a depth. I know. Yeah. I know a decent amount about a lot of things, but I don't know a lot about a decent amount of things. Here's the thing that everyone's thinking: Are we experts in saga? I mean, probably. But also, I haven't even read all of it, so <laughs> that's true. See, that's the thing: is that like I feel like. Uh, up to this point where we've gotten so far, I am an expert. But past that, I feel like so much of it just fucking leaves my brain. Yeah. And because I fly through it so quickly. When I do when I do my master's thesis on saga, then I'll consider myself an expert. <laughs> uh hey Noah. Yeah. Have you been given an award? Question. Uh-huh. Does a plaque, a YouTube yes. play button count? Oh. I guess. Um because i've been given that and also you know i'm gonna say award means like placing like competitive when i was like when i was like six years old Mm -hmm. my brother who was like seven at the time made me a number one best friend award there you Um, go yeah that's a fucking lame brother generally though no i i i mean i've won i've won like like intramurals ball hockey teams and things like that but i've never really been given a serious award which is a bummer because i love giving speeches <laughs> what about you actually i mean i guess i mean i, I was given a like there's like a, a various awards when i graduated high school but they're just like if you had an average above x amount you got that award all right so that that's that doesn't really count plus high school is irrelevant so it really doesn't count that's true. I skipped most of mine. Oh, have I gotten an award? I mean, Oscar is my middle name. No, <laughs> that's 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 not how that works. <laughs> I mean, Oscar is my middle name. But I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you know? All right. <laughs> yeah, I think th- I think we all know the answer to this one. You know, has Twitter made you a happier person? That's going to be a resounding fuck no. <laughs> that is uh, a, actively the opposite. In the way that 
uh, I think atheists are dumb for saying that this can't possibly be the case. I'm going to say there is no one in the world made happier by Twitter. <laughs> they don't exist. I don't say this can't possibly be the case, by the way. I just say I don't think it's the case. I, I don't know, want. I, know. I don't which want. Means, I don't want people to think I'm an obnoxious alt-right means, YouTuber atheist. <laughs> which means you are an agnostic atheist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate uh, that we've gotten into any of this. I have a question. I have a question for you, Jonathan. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did your parents almost name you, and was it Jonathan spelt properly? Okay. So, first of all, it's kind of <laughs> How dare answers. you? <laughs> first of all, go fuck yourself. Second of all, um, no, actually, I was going to be named uh, Joseph originally. They picked any fucking name out of the Bible, I guess. Spelled J-O-E-S-E-P-H, right? It's G-E-O-S-I-P-H. Geo, dude. I was going to be I was going to be a Joe, which fucking whatever. I don't care. But uh, but then my my uh, half brother had his kid like three months before i was born and then they like stole the name joseph for him <laughs> so it was like fuck we can't name him joseph anymore so i was gonna be just normal ass jonathan uh and then my dad was given the form to sign out uh and he didn't and he know, didn't how, know to how, how to spell jonathan <laughs> so he spelled it phonetically in his <laughs> mind and that's so amazing spelled jonathan <laughs> It's fucking stupid. <laughs> he ruined me. I like how he he spelled it phonetically by sticking a silent letter into it. <laughs> That's how you spell things phonetically, right? <laughs> well, hey, he knew you know how to spell what? John. He knew how no, to spell cool. J-O-H-N John. <laughs> no, it's cool. We both have huh. a silent H in our name. Huh. Oh, I always say the H in Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Noah. Joch. Nothing. <laughs> It's Noah. <laughs> Noah. Um, so I've got a great story on this one. So uh, I've got a brother who's 18 months older than me, and his name is Zach. And my dad really wanted to name me Ezekiel, so it would be Zach and Zeke. Um, <laughs> and my mother nixed that name. I, I can't understand why. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Which also, like... <laughs> Just so you know, like, like this is going to sound weird because my name is Noah and my dad jokingly wanted to name, to name me Ezekiel, but I was not raised religious at all. I've been to, like, three church services in my life, and one was, like, one was a funeral, one was a wedding, and one was a baptism. So I am, like, it's weird that my family has a bunch of religious names, <laughs> but I am not. So here's a really relevant uh, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting how some of these questions in 2013 just really kind of look forward to our present day. Yeah. Um, did you watch any of those videos that Chelsea Manning helped leak, especially that one? So so I have no idea what this is in reference <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, I needed to I was Google an adult. it. I was a I was a 22 year old adult when this when this came out. I have no idea. And I don't want to, judging by the the wording of this. I was 20 years old, and I was probably pretty drunk when this happened, because I was pretty (laughs) drunk when I was 20 years old, because I was doing my undergrad, as you do. (laughs) Actually, yeah, no, that that adds up for me, too. Um, Yeah, no, I'm cool. I drink, too. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Noah. I have 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 a great answer for this. 
Now, if you had to fight in any war from human history, which would you choose? The Great Emu War. That's the. That's the. Uh, do you know about the Emu War? I have no idea about the Emu War. The, the Emu War was a war where um, uh, the soldiers in Australia uh, tried to fight against emus and lost. Um, <laughs> but it was great because I didn't need to kill anybody and I didn't uh-huh. get killed. So that's my that's my Oswald heist answer to oh, w- which war would I fight in? I played okay. Well, I played the card game War as a kid, so that one. <laughs> Whoever's got that Joker, fucking they they're gonna wreck. Uh, I I'd have to say, I mean, well, fucking the Gulf War was like sit in a camp for forever, and then it happened for three days, and then it was done. So I guess which that Gulf one, War? The, <laughs> You know, the one with the Tiger Woods uh, v. Nicholas. Is that fucking... I don't know. I I, I extinguished my golf references with Tiger Woods. John, isn't there someone you should finally apologize to this week, say, for wasting all of his time with stories about St. Louis? Huh? No? Nothing? No, I don't think... (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nothing. Hey, no, what's that next question coming up here? <laughs> the question was, isn't there someone you should finally apologize to this week? No. No? I don't I don't I don't think so. I don't th- I don't think I should I don't think I should I don't think there's anyone I need to apologize to. Hey, if you can't handle me at my worst <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fucking valid and it's my problem to deal with it and you should get the fuck out of here. There's a great irony to me getting mad at you for wasting time. <laughs> You're the one that needs to deal with this shit show of an episode. I'm the one that which, listens to it five times over. I'm fully assuming we're going to split into two parts and just do the questions of the week afterwards. All right. What's the what's the most important article of clothing that you own? Most important article of clothing. You know what? Oh, this is actually kind of nice. So it starts out kind of sad, but it's kind of nice. So, uh... Haley, I'll, I'll be back in 20 minutes. All right. Perfect. <laughs> so welcome to the fard, the competing fard uh, good time hour. <laughs> yeah, no. So that you're this shirt or cloth of some pi- kind. So this cloth. Uh, cloth. Oh, that's the singular. That's the singular of clothes, right? This cloth. <laughs> it's cloth. Just cloth. <laughs> No, so so uh, I'm married. I got a wife. Her name's Haley, and uh, we poor her. She was she was very she is like very iffy about marriage in general. Yeah, like a lot of people our age are, and uh, was very like sort of on the fence about it. Uh, but also like we talked about it, and she was living in Canada. I was living in the states, and we were like we we love each other a lot and it's going super well and we kind of hit that point where it's like the next logical step is uh because we'd also live together sort of i was living kind of illegally in canada don't tell anyone that's why we need a border wall exactly that's stealing (laughs) all your non-jobs of sitting in an apartment and watching hannibal for a long time Toronto that philosophy fun. degree did you well, eh? <laughs> uh, so, so we 
so it, it was like it was like okay well the the logical thing both emotionally and practically is to get married uh and like do the whole visa thing and one of us move to the other one's country uh officially and uh and so i proposed to her she said yes and then like a few days later she was she realized she had all these like there were conversations we hadn't had yet about marriage that was giving her a lot of anxiety and so she was like uh i'm feeling iffy about this and i was like that's cool whatever uh we're calling off the engagement uh and you whenever you feel comfortable you propose to me and then that because i don't want to i don't want to put you in the position of like making you say yes before you're ready to do it and so then you know month or so later uh she she didn't she didn't know like my ring size or anything and didn't want to get me a ring so she bought me a, a nice tie that i had been wanting uh for a long time and she proposed to me with the tie and so it's my proposal tie and i cherish it deeply that's sweet and we're happily married and it's been great that's very sweet top that shit noah what fucking hat do you like? So on my grandfather's deathbed. Fuck. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, uh, my most important piece of clothing is my Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. One of them. I, I have several. Literally of them, but... knew it was gonna be that. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, I don't have any important pieces of clothing um, that I can think of. I only own three articles of clothing. Um, I own a single sock a fedora and a leafs jersey so that's it's it's difficult to <laughs> it's like a really fucked up donald duck situation with your clothes absolutely <laughs> um john yeah are you happily addicted to anything other than st louis uh yeah meth <laughs> oh wow okay okay there <laughs> it's been doing wonders this for some, me dude this is some third eye blind shit <laughs> No, my third eye's wide open, man. It's that mess. It's fucking great. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, lately, uh, writing. I've been working on a new comics oh, project, nice. and it has. It, I was feeling really burnt out like a month or so ago. And this last month, I've been working like fucking crazy because I started a new comic project, and that kind of spread out to all other work where I'm just like high on that motivation. I feel that I've been I've been very happily addicted to making art lately. Though this past week I failed at my Inktober and and dropped the ball, so I can't be that addicted. Ugh. I, I guess I'm also addicted. No, I can't really think of much. Maybe beer, but not really. Like I don't need beer. I just like beer. It's yeah, not that's a problem. What they all say. I promise you, it's not a problem. <laughs> oh, I only uh -oh. have <laughs> I only have eight to ten a day. It's not a problem. <laughs> The issue here is twelve step program. You get to that, that higher power uh, stuff, but yeah, no one's yeah. like there's definitely not a higher power. Uh, hey, this yeah, is definitely no. gonna be two episodes. Hey Noah. Uh we're having a dance. Would you like to come come to our dance? Fuck no? yeah. Fuck right. yeah. I'm, I'm down. down to any dance. Last night I went to a Halloween roller disco and it was awesome. Oh, by the way, mm -hmm. I mean this is coming out later than Halloween, but what were you for Halloween if we wanted share oh i was uh i was hopper from stranger oh Things nice because that i could be just a 
Just a tubby schlub with a mustache. <laughs> that is my literally last year. I was Mario. <laughs> Are you gonna be Wilford Brimley next year? <laughs> Actually, I spent too. I think I've mentioned this. I I spent too much money on uh like an Indiana Jones hat. Yeah. Because then I haven't figured out that I'm gonna be Indiana Jones, and then I'm gonna be uh Johnny Thunder, the Lego character. Which, by <laughs> yeah. the way, Noah. Yeah. Oh, I know who Johnny nothing, Thunder is. Nothing has apparently dictated my my aesthetic more than <laughs> yeah. Johnny Thunder. Yeah, um, I believe you me. I know a thing or two about Johnny Thunder. <laughs> but it was but it was great because Haley is uh Haley has her hair shaved right now, and so she was eleven. Uh, and we made a good we made a good team, except when we made out. That was fucking weird. And then last year she was Luigi, and so it's just like I we we gotta we gotta do better makeout characters. <laughs> yep, yep, that's weird. What were you, Noah? Uh, Emma and I went. Uh, this was like insanely last minute, but we pulled it off so well, uh, mm-hmm. and it was kind of saga inspired actually. Oh, uh, I was thinking of things we could pull together last minute. You went as Gwendolyn. No, we went as the cover of a trashy romance novel. Oh, nice. So I wore, like, a shirt that was open and wore, just took, like, a bunch of jewelry from her and wore way too much jewelry. And she wore, like, a flowing dress. And she has this big wig of, like, blonde locks that she, that she wore. It's pretty fun. That's fucking maybe great. I'll, maybe I'll send you the picture and you can see what I look like. But I kind of like the mystery. All right. Uh I think, well, here's the thing is I think you, you like, followed one of my instagrams or something and so if i were to if i if i so desired i could go click on a profile picture any second but here's the thing is i love the mystery noah it's it's not actually so i mean dreamy i don't me in my mind i don't spend well i mean i am <laughs> dreamy but i don't spend that much like I, I i don't tell people but if you really wanted to know like like it's pretty easy to find what i look like i have a link where you live too that's the part that i'm i'm excited to get out there <laughs> like you, the specific you've, address you've jokingly started to describe it so many times that i think you've put out all the pieces <laughs> well you know the good thing is you need a fob to get in so it's okay okay well there's another piece of the puzzle people <laughs> add that to the heist plan um <laughs> Uh, also, yeah, I love dances. The Snailoween party used to be the, or I'm sure still is. We went to a shitty one that was arranged by other people one year. But uh, Snailoween party from the Silver Snail in Toronto was the best fucking party of all time. Uh, and ever since then, I've been addicted to dancing. I fucking danced at, uh, there is an after party at TCAF. Do you know TCAF? No. The Toronto Comic Arts Festival. Oh, okay. It's the best. It's the best Comic Con in the world. It's free and it's actual, like all actual artists. And they get like fucking uh they had uh oh what's his name? Uh the guy the guy who does terrifying mangas. Uh that's that's a really, really clear description fucking i know his name any other second this goddamn full life logger is getting to my head so fast jinji ito jinji ito uh i just googled scariest manga artist and jinji ito came up <laughs> fucking the perfect description uh jinji ito is there this last year but it's always like fucking you know all the all the toronto people just for the record my last my last two google histories are now scariest manga artist and scary possum <laughs> This is the Halloween episode. Uh, 
which we <laughs> totally forgot to mention with the with the Patrick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but no, uh, but TCAF, I went to an, an after party there and was surrounded like fucking Jason Aaron was there and like Emmy Lennox and all these like like really big comics figures were there and I got pretty fucking drunk and just danced up a storm but this you'll be fucking jealous of do you know who the the dj was of this particular after party who the composer for adventure time oh my god was the dj and it was prince knight that's so because prince had just died so and i that's that's pretty cool after the set after dancing to him all night i went up to him and i was like that was a fucking great set and he's like oh thanks man and he hugged me so that's another best friend i have in the books uh next episode we'll have him on as a guest hold me to it uh hey noah (laughs) yeah you have to you have to permanently give up either movies or television so what's it gonna be i feel like this was a lot more difficult difficult of a question in 2013 but like nowadays i'm definitely giving up movies like i like movies but there's so much good tv i i here's the thing i think that artistically the best stuff is happening with movies right now but uh just the you think artistically the best stuff is happening with movies have you watched barry i literally meant to see i meant to say tv barry is (laughs) okay i was gonna say second favorite show on tv right now um (laughs) yeah actually now that you mentioned barry and also watchmen just the idea of giving it up right now and not getting to see what the fuck happens with watchmen would be so destructive to my life also this is gonna hammer it home for you you do realize that if you have to permanently give up tv you can't watch steven universe yeah but here's the thing is they announced that it already kind of soft ended and the new thing coming out is a is an epilogue so we're good on that front we already had the perfect ending but you no, but you can't re-watch it it's so ingrained in my soul no i'm an (laughs) expert in the field noah (laughs) so so but anyway i i'm just saying it's literally the deciding factor for me is the experience of seeing movies and i just love it so much and it is so unlike anything else that's true and it's like yeah I, i'm I, it, in my mind it's giving up sitting at home and watching a thing or going to fucking uh midnight premiere of a new star wars movie or something and it's like that trumps it every time here's the thing about going to movies is you need to leave the house and pay money for it yeah but like netflix costs money I say yeah, that it costs my I, mom money. Yeah, I was going to say that as if I pay for my fucking Netflix. It's my fucking mother-in-law's Netflix. I'm, I don't, I no am, one pays I, for that shit. I am probably going to pay for Disney's thing, though. Yeah, and I'm I 100% going to pay for, I'm going to fucking pay for Apple's thing because they're making a goddamn foundation adaptation. And it's going to be bad, but I'm going to watch it. I mean, I need to watch Dickinson is the thing. It's just like, <laughs> I need it. And, you know, like, you, fucking Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, Reese Witherspoon, all in one show. You know I need that early show. I'm not a fucking Neanderthal. I need TV because I can't give up the ranch. <laughs> 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 fucking next question. Finally, finally, please draw a quick doodle of yourself, especially if you're not an artist, which we will all do right. and we will we post will do, them. We will post them on socials. Oh, is boy. that where we're gonna leave this episode that's and we'll come back to it. questions that's the, that's the when this goes live we will post those in the thread good because i need to go to the store and buy something to eat i'm gonna emma and i are making prosciutto and brie sandwiches for dinner tonight oh dude that that is ratatouille <laughs> really yeah that's actually ratatouille 
Really? That's hilarious. I don't believe you. <laughs> okay, you could not believe me, but that's like actually ratatouille. No, ratatouille the... is a French Provençal stewed vegetable dish, dish originally originating in Nice. Half of these sometimes... aren't words you're saying, Noah. I can't, I mean, there's no proof here. The burden of proof is on me, and I refuse to prove it. So therefore, uh, therefore, I'm did, right. did you like? You completely missed my joke of calling it Nice. I know how to say Nice. Gratitude See, I think I th you proved us all wrong there, Noah. <laughs> you came out on top on that one. I, I'm an expert in Quebecois. <laughs> hey, Noah. Yeah. Uh, can can you can you tell us where people can find you so they can actively avoid you? <laughs> Honestly, I don't even want to. After this, <laughs> <laughs> go check out Noah's completed uh, thirty days of Inktober. Uh, by the time this really comes up, me. I will do. I will do them, and I'll make sure the last one gets you. The last one. The last one should be the uh, the doodle you Let do me see of what yourself. The is. <laughs> well, I need to figure out what the prompts. The last one is ripe. Yeah, I'm ripe. <laughs> the second, actually, the second last one is catch, Ooh, and ripe. I'll do it for that because I'm a catch. <laughs> God, that's fucking worse. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say that by the time this comes out, I'm gonna have a new video essay out. All right. About Neutral Milk Hotel. I'm holding myself. I'm putting my feet to the flames on this one. Can't wait till I burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So actually, if you want to see me watch Polyphonic and everything, you know this by now. This in between arcs. This two-hour in-between arcs is not going to be what brings in a new listener. <laughs> Where can people find the the uh, the Farad Radio Hour from now on? Uh, if you tune into uh, 69.9 Fard FM. <laughs> What's it, 1-800-FARD-BALLS? <laughs> Fards, yeah. <laughs> I think right. it was 1-800-FARDS-BALLS, which is too it's long for a phone number, but... Yeah, that's where I stopped believing it. Uh, all right, go check us out on the Twitter and on the YouTube and stuff. Uh, and we answer those questions of the week. There's still some time because we're gonna wait a day to record these. Uh, and a big, a big right. old I'm sorry to Fiona Staples, Brian K. Vaughn, Photographics and Image Comics for writing something that was totally un, un uh, had nothing to do with this episode. I'm I'm really sorry to anyone who listened to this episode. Okay, you know what? Since we're this is half an episode, so I think we're gonna have to leave this one off with a am I? Am I? Bye. <laughs>
Oh, are we just Hold wait? On. We're just trying Here, to start we, a slow clap. Just, wait, we just we... got a slow clap. We just got. <laughs> this is. <laughs> okay. Setting hey, the tone real good for this. <laughs> yeah. Let's clap sync. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna. The My point of it hurt. is so that I could. <laughs> of it is so that i can look at the waveform and see where a clap is this is ruined all right ready yeah three two one clap